0: Prince Harry, it's just an honor to be able to sit with you. Uh, thank you for joining us at Crossroads. Uh, sounds like though, you've been pretty familiar with Crossroads uh, before, is that right?
1: Um, and sometimes I watch videos online.
0: Well, that's awesome. We love to hear that. We put a lot of effort and investment into our online campus. We know it has potential uh, for an international reach. How's your experience been uh, joining Crossroads
1: Online? I had a huge amount of frustration.
0: Wow. you know really shocked to hear that. Is it something that was said? Maybe Pastor Tim say something? Was he shouting at you?
1: He was shouting at me. I was shouting back at him. It wasn't nice. It wasn't pleasant at all. And he snapped and he pushed me to the floor. He knocked you over. He knocked me over. Um, I landed on the dog bowl. Yeah, I cut my back. I didn't know about it at the time, but um, yeah, he, he apologized afterwards. It was a pretty nasty experience, but
0: Wow, you know, Harry, is it okay if I call you
1: Harry? Um, I can't imagine how
0: that would have happened from our online campus. I'm really sorry that was your experience, but it sounds really frustrating.
1: Um, It was a buildup of uh, frustration, I think, on his part. Um, It was at a time where he was being told certain things by people within his office, and at the same time, he was consuming a lot of the tabloid press, a lot of the stories and he had a few issues which were based not on reality.
0: You know, that actually describes Pastor Tim really well. He does have some issues based not on reality. I can't imagine any of his issues are from people on his staff, though. But, but I think you make a good point about the tabloids. I've seen him read those a lot of times.
1: You know, my family read the tabloids. You know, it's, it's laid out uh, at breakfast when everyone comes together. So. Whether you walk around saying you believe it or not, it's still, it's still leaving an imprint in your mind.
0: That's a great point, Harry. We have to be careful about what we put into our minds. Uh, and that's one of the things that informs our preaching at Crossroads. But does it surprise you to know that we don't actually use the tabloids as a reference for our sermons?
1: Did it surprise me? No. Is it shocking? Yes. Well, it sounds like
0: you and Pastor Tim have some unresolved conflict. Do you think it would help if we sat him down with you to talk some of these things out? No,
1: I can't see that happening.
0: Well, you know, I really look forward uh, then to sitting down with you personally next time.
1: That's all I've ever asked for. (laughs)
2: We do want to thank Prince Harry for sitting down with Dustin and taking time to do that. Uh, Good morning, Crossroads. Full vulnerability here. It does bother me that you guys have kind of seen behind the curtain and know about, you know, the little little issues that Harry and I have. So I... It is what it is. Uh, we are kicking off a new series called Royals today, and we're having a lot of fun with the spoof of that video and thinking about what it means to be a royal. But can we just uh, acknowledge out of the gate something really, really important? When it comes to this idea of being royal, I, I want to challenge all of us uh, throughout the next few weeks to just simply remember who you are. Uh, in First John chapter 3, it kicks off that chapter by saying what great love God has for us that we should be called his children, and that is what we are. I mean, it's an incredible verse that just kind of circles this really important concept. You are a child of God. And and when you dive deeper into that, really the reality is you are a child of the king. You, in fact, are royal. There's no one like our God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. We all live in his creation, in his universe. And you are his child. You are royalty. And I want to encourage you today to remember who you are. Because as we take a look at some of the, the royalty in the Old Testament, some of the famous kings in the Bible, what you begin to realize is all of these guys, got themselves into trouble the moment they forgot who they were. And I want you to be fully leaning in to your identity as a child of God, because that is where everything begins. That is where everything ends. And you have to remember who you are. You are a child of the King. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. Can anybody get excited about that this morning? Because that's where we start today. And that matters. It changes everything. And so today... We're talking about this concept of my identity. This is where we're all kicking off. This is what it is about. And and I want you to own it. I want you to leave here today knowing who you are because that's where this entire journey begins. If you don't own it, if you don't say, I know who I am, you're going to get yourself in trouble because you're going to forget who you are. And every time you forget who you are, that is when you start to get sidelined. That's when you start going on a path that, that God never created you to go down. And, and the first king that we're looking at is, is King Saul. We're, we're working our way through the Bible. We've worked our way through uh, the, the heroes of the of the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And if you've been leading, if you've been reading along in the 365 challenge, guys, you've made it through Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You're starting to get into the interesting stuff. Give yourselves a round of applause. You are doing it. You are doing it. And, well, what we're doing is, you know, we, we've walked through the last month through the judges of the Old Testament, the people that God called to rise up for just a moment as that, and we realize God's calling us to rise up for the moment that, that we live in. We, we have gifts and abilities that, that we're called to use at this time, and what you realize is that Israel went through this time where there were just random leaders who would rise up and lead in moments of crisis, but the people of Israel came to this point where they said, all right, up until this point, God has been our king. But all of the other nations around us, they all have kings of their own, and and we kind of want a king. And so Samuel, being really the last judge, is the one who has to deal with this. He speaks to God on the behalf of the Israelites, and God says, all right, listen, you guys think you want a king? I'll give you a king, but it's not going to end the way you think it is, all right? It's just going to be a ton of drama. We see that playing out today. Uh, You want a king? All right, I'll give you a king. They thought they wanted a king because that's what everybody else had. And so Saul is the one who is highlighted as being the first king of Israel. But the problem with Saul is that he never owned his true identity. He was chosen by God to be the king of his people, the leader of God's chosen people. But Saul never fully owned his true identity. Don't, don't forget this truth about him. He was God's anointed. It says that Samuel came and anointed him and said, you have been chosen to be the king of God's people, but Saul never owned it. He never bought into what his true identity was. And that got him into trouble. Uh, Everything looked like it should work with Saul, by the way. like He ended up being a terrible king, uh, to start everything off. But he looked the part. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 9, it says, There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a son of Abiel, son of Zerah, son of Becherath, son of Ephiah, of the tribe of Benjamin. All that is really necessary to know. I just want you to know that. Gets to verse 2. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. All right, this guy was Dwayne Johnson. He was the rock. When he (laughs) stood up, he just like, "Uh, uh, uh," and he did his thing. He did his thing. Everybody looks at Saul and goes, man, if we had a king, it'd be that guy. He comes from a wealthy family. He's head and shoulders taller than everybody. He looks magnificent, like that's your guy. But he never owned it. He never owned who he was. He never leaned into the anointing that God had given him. And it ended up being the cause of his unraveling. He was anointed by God. It it says, so Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them, but when they looked for him, he had disappeared. This is fantastic. This is the moment. Samuel has anointed Saul. Saul, you're going to be the king. When it comes time for the people of Israel to see who their king is going to be, they've got all the families lined up. They're going to choose the king by Lot. It comes down to Saul, you are going to be the king. All the people are looking with expectation. Where is this man who's been chosen to be our king? He's gone. Where did he go? It says, they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. Now, can we we just stop for a second? Can we just stop for a second and recognize how ridiculous this is? He's hiding among, head and shoulders above everyone. He looks amazing. He's wealthy. If anyone was going to look the part of the king, it is Saul. He's the guy. But inside, he's a hot mess. Inside, he's heard from Samuel. You're going to be anointed the next king of Israel. You're the one who God has chosen to lead his people. He hasn't owned it. You can see right out of the gate, he is overwhelmed by his fear. He is overwhelmed by his insecurity. When the moment comes where Saul is the man, Saul, please stand and let us see you. Saul, Saul, (laughs) where are you? He was hiding among the bags which is such a crazy thing to realize. And I I need you to know this, Um, this is how I prep. I'm just gonna pull back the curtain again. You already saw the, the disarray with my relationship with Prince Harry. I'm gonna pull back the curtain a little bit farther. I'm always thinking like seven to ten weeks ahead. I just want you to know that we have like outlines for series and sermons, and I'm just kind of always thinking about the next seven to ten weeks. And about five weeks ago, I was thinking about today, uh, this series, the kickoff of this, thinking about King Saul, and I had actually been thinking about the baggage thing. Like how how does that work? Like who goes and hides in a pile of luggage? What does that really look like? Well, our family went out to dinner, and uh, afterwards we went to a place. Of just, it's a torture chamber. It's a place called T.J. Maxx. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. <laughs> Terrible, terrible place. Uh, Dana wanted to take us all there. In her defense, I needed to find a backpack. So I'm in the back of this store looking for a backpack. And and my kids have this rhythm down that when we go to stores like that, they know there's potential for us to be there for a while. It's torturous. And so they've figured out a way to navigate the torture. They play hide-and-seek in these stores. So if you've ever been shopping and you were, like, looking at something and somebody kids like, and they startled you, <laughs> might have been my kid. I apologize. I'm looking at backpacks, I'm kind of minding my own business, and <laughs> literally, there's like a huge section of, of suitcases right behind me, and from out of the suitcases, I hear one of my boys go, Dad, Dad. <laughs> there's one of my kids hiding in the baggage. That happened. I was like, hey, you just made a sermon. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> it's a great hiding place it's a great hiding place who knew so so Saul this is his moment can we just can we be serious can we lean in here for a second he has been anointed the king of Israel God says hey Saul I have chosen you for this moment for this time I've given you the gifts and the graces to lead and in the moment where he is called to rise up Saul shrinks away because he can't buy in to this fact that this is who he is. He just can't bring himself to believe that, man, God has given me the gifts and abilities to lead his people. This is my time to lead. He never was able to own it. He was overwhelmed by his fears. He was overwhelmed by his insecurities. He just never saw himself as this this child of God, this leader of leaders. He never leaned into what it was that God was calling him to. And if we are not careful, we can fall into the same exact trap. That's why it's so important that we remember who we are. What amazing love that God has for us, that we should be called his children. That is what you are. That is what you are. You're royal. You're a child of the king. And When we think about this concept of putting our trust in Jesus, know this, that as we walk through this series, we're leaning very, very much into this concept that Jesus really is the answer for all of the deepest questions in life we have, starting with who am I? When you realize that my identity is is in Jesus, that I have been created by God, in his image, that I am dearly and deeply loved by him. I am his prized possession. I am his child. If that's where your foundation for your life begins, that changes everything. I am his child. That's my identity. That gives me purpose. That gives me a moral code to live by. That gives me hope in a future. And we're going to be unpacking that in the weeks to come. But it starts with my identity. And I can't forget who I am. Man, the devil is on the prowl. He's like that thief coming to steal, kill, and destroy, to to keep you off that path that God has called you to. But Jesus says, no, I've come that you might have life. Don't you know who you are? I've come that you might have life to the full. You're my child. You are dearly and deeply loved by me. And we can't forget that. We have to lean in to who we are. Otherwise, we miss out on, on what God has for us. We find ourselves hiding in the baggage you know, when God has called us to a specific moment that he created us for, So Saul's in the bags, says they they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. I mean, this is how the story begins. Pull the guy out of the baggage. He's our guy. Yeah, long live the king. Like he's got like somebody's tag on him, like that's going to Jerusalem. I'm sorry, sorry. It's a weird moment. But it's indicative of of who Saul was and the mindset that he had because for the next years of of his kingship as as the leader of Israel, he was always passive. He never was fully obedient. He never fully lived in the expectations that God had for him as, as the leader of Israel. He was impatient. He was consumed by his fears and his insecurities and and his failures. And you guys, we fall into the same trap if we're not careful. If you forget who you are, listen, if you forget that I said yes to Jesus, I asked him to forgive me, you'll forget that you actually have been forgiven. And when you haven't been forgiven, if you're consumed by all of your failures and your past is haunting you, you can't rise up and be the person that God has called you to be because you're going to be living in this place where you're overwhelmed by all of your fears and all of your insecurities. You're overwhelmed by the hurts and the habits and the hangups. You have to own it. God has forgiven me. I have been set free. I have a calling. I have a purpose and a plan for my life. He's called me to live a life that's worthy of that calling, to be obedient to who he is. And because of that, I have a hope and I have a future. We've got to rise up. We've got to live into that calling. You've got to remember who you are. And and Saul is stuck in this cycle of fear and insecurity. He hasn't leaned in to his anointing. He doesn't fully believe that, that he's the guy, right? The fears and the insecurities end up paralyzing him. So much so that God actually comes to a place where he goes to Samuel, his prophet, and says, Saul, he's not my guy. He's not living into the calling that I've placed. He's not living into his anointing. He's not using the gifts and and the abilities that I have given him to lead in this moment. And because of that, I'm choosing someone else. And it's in this this context that, that Samuel actually goes to anoint David to be the next king of Israel. Now, at this point, David's just a boy. Saul's gonna be king for quite a while longer, but there's always there's already this plan in motion where, where David's gonna be the next guy. And it's all because Saul didn't lean into his calling. Saul forgot who he was. He allowed his fears and his insecurities to completely paralyze him and keep him on the sidelines. And here's where it becomes so apparent. And, and, and I think we miss this sometimes because we're focusing on the wrong people of this story. It's the story of David and Goliath. You're going, Tim, I thought you we were talking about King Saul. Oh, this story is very much about Saul. Because what happens? Saul is the king of Israel. Remember, he's head and shoulders taller than everyone. He looks the part. And what happens? Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, comes and challenges all the people of Israel and says, I am the champion of the Philistines. I challenge your champion to fight me one-on-one in battle, winner take all. And Saul is just sitting there going, hey, we got any champions? Anybody want to take that on? He's the guy. He's the guy who's head and shoulders. He's Israel's giant. He's Israel's warrior. He is Israel's anointed leader. And Saul is sitting on the sidelines because he's paralyzed by his fear. He's paralyzed by his insecurity. This story is all about Saul. So what happens? If you know anything about David and Goliath, the big underdog story, David comes to bring lunch to his brothers. He sees the giant challenging them and defying God and his army. David says, why are we letting this guy defy God? This is, this is his army. We should go fight him. If you guys won't, I'll go fight him. And everybody starts mocking David, but word gets to Saul that we've got a warrior who's willing to fight him. And so Saul is so desperate, he's so overwhelmed by all of his fears and his insecurities that he calls David up to see about him fighting fighting Goliath this this teenage boy like how is this even working how does this even make sense David's talking to Saul about the giant and and if you look at the difference in perspective from David to Saul you immediately see the difference you immediately see what separates the two and why God started anointing David and working through him instead of working through Saul in their conversation it says this in 1 Samuel 17 David says, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. I mean, this is all of the things that Saul's been telling himself, right? There's no way you could beat this guy. He's a warrior. There's no way. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. I love that, like, how do those things compare at all? I really, what, what's going on here? <laughs> there's a giant warrior challenging, hey, you, there's no way you can do this. No, 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 I got this. I've been watching sheep and goats. I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> but then he gets, this is real, right? He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. Like, what? This guy's like Bear grills before Bear grill. Like, what's happening right now? If the animal turns on me, he said, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. That's the perspective. That's the mindset that David has that is completely different than Saul. He's saying, who is this guy that he would defy the armies of the living God? David knows full well, I'm not fighting Goliath. God is fighting Goliath. That's the anointing, right? When you are anointed, when you are called, God is with you. You're not doing that on your own. God is fighting with you. He is fighting for you. And David owns that. Saul never owned it. He forgot who he was. It says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Saul, Saul, that seems a little insincere. The reality is there is always a battle. and I, We have to recognize this in our lives. There's always a battle. There's always the battle where that voice is telling you, you're not good enough. That voice is telling you, you could never accomplish that. There's no way that God could use you. And it's that voice of the devil that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. God could never love you enough. God could never use you enough. Don't you know who you are? Paralyzed by your your fears and your insecurities and your failures, allowing your hurts and habits and hangups to keep you on the sidelines. I, I think that's what happens when we forget who we are, when we don't own our identity as a child of God. And, and I don't want you to miss what God has in store for you because I believe with all my heart we've been created by God and we've been created for God. I believe with all of my heart that God has given each and every one of us specific gifts and abilities that he's asking us to use right now for such a time as this, that he's created things specifically for you, for you to accomplish for the kingdom. And if we fall into the trap that Saul fell into where we just don't believe it, we don't believe that we're good enough, that we're sidelined, we're paralyzed by our fears and our insecurities, I believe we're going to miss out on what God has for us. And I don't want any, any one of us to miss out on a single thing that God has for us. We, we can't. We can't. I don't want to miss a single thing that God has for me. And if I forget who I am, if I forget that I have been forgiven, if I forget that I've been set free, if I forget that God has a calling and a purpose for my life, I'm going to miss out on what God has for me. I believe with all my heart, this story really is about Saul. If Saul would have owned who he was as the king of Israel, as God's anointed leader, Saul 40 days sooner on day one of the challenge would have risen up and said, I will fight this giant. And you better believe that the same God that was with David is the same God that would have been with Saul. It would have been Saul's victory. It would have been Saul's win. That's Saul's battle. And he sat on the sidelines. He allowed his fears and his insecurities to paralyze him. And, and because of that, he, he lost his anointing. God started working through David. Saul was the one who missed out. And that can't be us. That can't be us. I don't want that to be the story of my life. I don't want to be the guy who missed it just because I I was too afraid to to step up. I didn't trust enough in God and who I was. I believe with all my heart this was was Saul's battle to fight. And we have to recognize there's always a battle. It's always going to be a step outside of our comfort zone. It's always going to be a step of faith. But man, if you believe that you are a child of the king, if you believe that you are dearly and deeply loved by God, that he has a purpose and a plan for you, then in those moments where you hear that still small voice and he's challenging you to step out in faith, say yes. Because when I say yes to Jesus, that's when I live into the purpose and plan that he has for me. Don't doubt for a second who you are. Don't listen to the lies of the devil that you can't do that. Your past is too terrible. No. If you've put your trust in Jesus, you've been forgiven. You've been set free. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God separates all that baggage from you. You don't have to live that way anymore. No. You move forward with your head held high. You are a child of the king. And I want you to remember today who you are. And there's always going to be a battle. And this is crazy. In 1 Samuel 17, it goes on to say, Then Saul gave David his own armor. This is wild. A bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. He says, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Instead, it says he picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Man, this is really important. I, not, only, not only does Saul not engage in the battle that, that he's called to fight, he he says, go and may the Lord be with you. And he gives him his armor. Like, it's his armor for this battle. Like, what are you doing? How did you miss this? Take my armor. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be the warrior, but you use it today. Well, what is wrong with you? How are you missing this? And I think what we have to realize is we have to fight in our armor. Man, when we talk about living the life that God is calling us to and, and using our gifts and abilities... Fight with the armor that God has given you. Use your gifts and abilities. Lean into the the opportunities that God gives you to invest in the kingdom and and to make a difference by fulfilling the purpose and the plan that he has for you. Man, there's nothing better than just leaning into the calling that God has placed in your life. That's where you're going to find ultimate fulfillment. That's where you're going to be set free engaging in the mission of Jesus, connecting people with God, celebrating changed lives. Guys, that's what we're all about here at Crossroads. We want you to live life to the fullest by engaging in this calling and this anointing that God has placed on you. And when we give other people the armor, you fight that battle for me. We miss out. We miss out. And I think a lot of times we're not confident in our armor. And I think that everything about our armor, it's, it's an overflow of our identity. I really believe that. In Ephesians Paul speaks about the armor of God. I just want to read this for a second. It all ties together. It says this, therefore, in Ephesians 6, put on your, every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Well, what does that mean? Let's take a look. It says, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. That's a great place to start, the belt of truth. In this case, I really believe it. it it's that truth that you are a child of God. It's the truth that God loves me. I am forgiven. I am free. I think that's where truth begins. And if you put that on first, the belt is what holds everything together. It's what keeps your pants from falling down in battle. That's a thing. The belt is important. You don't want to go to battle and your pants fall down. Like, ah, hold on just a second. It it doesn't work like that. You're in trouble if your pants fall down in battle. (laughs) I don't really have any experience in backing. I don't know. It's just what they say. He says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The peace that comes from the good news. What's the good news? The good news is the gospel of peace. The Jesus came and suffered and died so we could be forgiven and set free. That's a peace that I can claim that passes all understanding. Where does that peace come from? It comes from my identity, knowing who I am. Jesus loves me. He died for me. That's a piece that passes all understanding. I think this all overflows from our identity. So it says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. If the devil's coming to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's attacking you, that shield of faith says, I believe this. I'm putting my trust in my creator God. I know who I am, I am loved. I am forgiven, I am free. That's my shield of faith. That's what keeps the enemy at bay. It all, it flows out of my identity. Finally, it says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Man, that's where the journey begins. I've been forgiven and I've been set free. And I think that when we talk about the armor in our spiritual battle, that's what we've got to surround ourselves with. It it overflows from my identity. I think that's why this is such a foundational piece that we all need to claim and own. If I know who I am, if I'm putting my trust in Jesus and saying, I believe that you have forgiven me, I believe that you have set me free, I believe that I am your child and that I am dearly and deeply loved, if that is the foundation for who you are, you are going to experience success in your life because you're going to live out that purpose and plan that he's called you to. You remember who you are. When the enemy starts telling you you're not good enough, no, you know, on my own, I'm not. But hey, I've got a message for you. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I'm dearly and deeply loved by God. I am his prized possession. I am his child. I am royal. I don't have to fall into that trap. That's not how I was created to be. I, I am a child of God. And I think the challenge is to put on the full armor. Let that that foundational block of your identity, being a child of God, be what, what that overflows out of. And lean into that. I mean, we we know this story, right? It says Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him and sneering in contempt at at this ruddy-faced boy. He said, am I a dog that you would come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. In verse 44, he says, come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. It's like the pre-battle talk. It's like a smack talk session. (laughs) And then in verse 45, this is this is where you see the heart of David. This is where you see the difference between David and the difference between him and Saul. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. Okay, I see you. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. I mean, that's where David's confidence came from, Right? David's confidence did not come from the fact that he's some amazing warrior, even though it sounds like he had some pretty amazing encounters with lions and bears, right? His confidence came from knowing who he was. He had been anointed just like Saul had. He chose to rise up and walk in that anointing. He knew who he was, and he wasn't going to be paralyzed and sidelined by any fears and insecurities. He was willing to rise up because he knew who he was. And God granted him that victory. That's, that's a victory that is won for the ages. David defeats Goliath. It's the ultimate underdog story. And what's crazy about it is that I believe with all of my heart that that was actually Saul's battle to fight. Should have been Saul. But he forgot who he was. And I just want to challenge you today. He fell into that trap because he never owned his identity And I think when you put down your armor, when you say, eh, I know that God says I'm his child, I know that I'm forgiven and set free, but I also know all of my failures and I'm being overwhelmed by my fears and insecurities, I think I'm just going to stay right here. I'm a little bit nervous. I think when you put down your armor, when you forget who you are, I think you can lose the anointing. You can miss out on all these things that God has planned for you. And I want to challenge you today to... To lean into who you are. Never forget that you are dearly and deeply loved by God. Own it. You are his prized possession. And you know what? There's going to be times in life where you mess up. You're going to have to seek God's face. You're going to ask for his forgiveness. You're going to need to be set free. I believe those are beautiful and sacred moments that only God can give us. I think we've got to lean into those moments. Because then when God forgives you, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he separates that from you. And you can walk again with your head held high because you are a child of God. And I challenge you today, own that identity. Remember who you are. Saul never owned his true identity. He was God's anointed. And for the rest of his time as king, he led in fear of David. David. Know this, that the chant, the song that all the people sang when Saul was walking down the street coming back from battle and David was behind him, all of a sudden the popular song, like the top hit of the day is, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Woo! And Saul hears this, right? And it just adds to his fear. It adds to his insecurities because now he's saying, oh, no, I'm the king, but they all love David. Now he's the guy that they are all going to follow. And now he spends the rest of his time as king chasing after David, being fearful and insecure of David and who he is, all because he didn't fight the battle that he was called to fight. He never owned who he was. And you guys, I don't want us to miss out on anything that God has for us. So I just, I want to ask you this question as we come to a close of the day. Do you know who you are? You are a child of the King. You are dearly and deeply loved by him. I ask today that you lean into that. If you're not exactly sure what that means and you're you're here today saying, I've never really asked for forgiveness, but your heart's racing a little bit faster than normal and you're realizing that's something that you need to do, every week at Crossroads we give people a chance to say yes to Jesus, to start that journey with him, to embrace being a child of God. And I want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus, to be set free, to lean into your identity and to know who God is, because, as far as the East is from the West, that's how far God can separate your sin, your failures, your past from you. it's It's a fresh start. It's a start that gives you hope and a future. And I want all of us to leave today knowing that we're right with God. We've said yes to Jesus, We've been forgiven, we've been set free. And so as we come to a close, can we just all stand, wherever you're at today, can you just stand and join us in this moment? And together, can we embrace this moment of saying yes to Jesus? And if this is the first time you're saying yes to Jesus, know this. It says in Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is a moment that can change your life forever. So would you lean into this moment together as we say this prayer? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life will follow you. Amen. And we have to give him the praise. We have to give him the glory because he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is no one like our God. And here's the thing. If you said yes to Jesus for the first time today, please come and let us know. We want to help you take your next steps. I believe Stu is over here. We've got Michelle over here. Come talk to us. We want to help you take your next steps. You guys, last Sunday, we were able to celebrate 71 people whose lives were changed because they said yes to Jesus. That's, it's incredible. Here's something that, that we haven't talked about yet today that I wanted to share with you as well, though. We have at least 15 to 20 more people who are interested or had signed up but couldn't be here last Sunday. We still have more. And so on May 7th, that's a Sunday coming up in a few weeks, we're actually going to have another baptism so we can baptize everyone who signed up and celebrate their lives that have been changed as well. And so if that's you, I want to invite you today, Crossroads, let Celebrate the change, guys. Let's celebrate who we are. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. He loves you with an extravagant love, and He's calling you to to live into this beautiful life that He's that He's uh, created for you. You have a purpose, you have a hope, and you have a future. And I challenge you today: remember who you are. Remember who you are close our time together before we sing this last song by just praying a prayer of blessing over you because I don't want anyone here today to leave defeated by fear, defeated by failure, paralyzed by your insecurities and the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups. My prayer today is that you leave today with your head held high as a child of God, that you leave today with, with nothing between you and your relationship with Him, that your relationship with Him is up to date that you've asked for forgiveness, that you're willing to step out if he's calling you to take a step of faith because I don't want us to, to miss a single thing that God has for us. Crossroads, remember who you are. Let's live into this calling and this purpose that God has for us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? Jesus, I, I just thank you for who you are and, and for the incredible, extravagant love that you have for us. God, you have called us your children and that is what we are. We We are royal. And I'm asking you, God, that you would help each and every one of us today to just remember who we are. God, if we're we're allowing ourselves to be sidelined in any way by any fear or insecurity, God, would you just help us wherever anyone is watching today, wherever anyone is standing, would you just help us in this moment, God, to lay that down at your feet? Whatever it is that you are holding on to, whatever lie that the devil's telling you, that fear, that insecurity that's paralyzing you, that hurt, that habit, that hang up, that you just don't think you can get victory over, God, we just say we're giving it to you. And God, we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to guide us. We ask you to lead us. And God, my prayer today is that all of us would just say, Jesus, we will follow you. God, when you speak, our our answer is, is yes. And God, with that being the cry of our heart today, God, I just ask that you would bless us and keep us, that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us, that you would turn your face toward each and every one of us today. We are your children and give us your peace. God, we love you. We praise you today. We pray this in your name. Together we say, amen.